Orale. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. This is your host, Jorge Martin and Familia. Oh my goodness, we, you know, we're just past the draft, so we got great, great, great content. And I can't wait to bring it to you right now, to bring our invitado in right now. But uh, first off, before you do that, please, please, por favor, I ask you, ask you as always, hey, give us a like and subscribe over on, on, on YouTube. Familia FFB, just give that thumbs up, hit that subscriber button, it helps us keep growing, and it's just, it'll just be a great thing. And also, uh, hey, we're a proud partner of Underdog Fantasy. Make sure, put in that promo code FAMILIA23. I'm going to match you up to the first $100 when you go Underdog, get best ball. We've just been, I've been doing a couple of live drafts on here, been having so much fun. The puppies out there, best ball mania, get in those drafts familia it's it's people are people really 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 getting in the underdog so get in there and put in familia 23 while you're at it and uh oh my goodness familia i've been i've been kind of like uh wanting to have this our invitado de lujo on on with me for a while now i mean and i'm so glad that he's here i tell you you know i've i've been a fan for a while but quite a while and it's not just because i learned the proper usage of the word dank from him so uh no i, I as you guys know i love i so enjoy having some of the smartest people in the industry on here chop it up so we can so i can learn so we can all learn and uh he is el rey of upside wins championships. And in fact, he helped me, you know, after reading that, I actually uh, used some of those concepts and won a baseball championship. So uh, go figure that. So, uh, and he is, I mean, the man, el hombre, when it comes to dank stats on fantasy with our amigos at fantasy points, uh, I won't give him a, a hard time for being a Met fan. Uh, but uh, I will say it is such a pleasure to have finished off the two bars combo, two bars with a Z. Uh, so big bienvenido. To Scott Barrett, mi amigo, ¿cómo estás? Estás en tu casa. What's up, Jorge? Uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Really wish I paid more attention in Spanish class growing up, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, you know what? It, it's good. It's good. As I always love to tell people, it's like, you know, 98%, uh, it's 99% English and the 1%, like you've probably heard it in a, in a restaurant or or in ninth grade Spanish. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll leave you off the hook on that. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll, at least, at least you know how to order food in Spanish. So <laughs> that's a yeah, good I always thing. think about like, what would happen if I just like woke up from a long flight and I'm, you know, in Spain or something, and I'll know how to go to the library. Donde esta la biblioteca? And then anything else, you know, I'm just screwed. Yeah, they don't have a lot of tacos in Spain, so it's 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 it, there. It's tapas. So that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> do I do exp- do I do uh, recommend the the seafood in Spain? It's uh, it, it is spectacular. It's, if you like fried food, go to the south. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh man, so uh, Scott, I, you know we're we're a little more than week about a week and a half out out from the NFL draft. So. Th- I kind of, when did you feel like the dust had really settled and you could kind of get going on with your rankings? Uh, I mean, again, for maybe like the third year in a row, I I really didn't feel like I had to make too many dramatic changes following the draft. So, you know, once day three racked up, uh, I just quickly dove into the rankings and, and got those pretty much solidified, uh, wide receiver, I guess, which is the topic today, I will say was the, the big mover, Uh, Mm. Even then, I didn't see many dramatic changes beyond, you know, Jonathan Mingo going earlier than expected or Rasheed Rice landing with the Chiefs. Uh, But outside of that, maybe Jalen Hyatt, uh, not too many major surprises. Yeah, that one. Well, we're going to we're going to get into those surprises. And that and that's the thing. This this class uh, has been talked about, you know, kind of it's a little bit of a step down compared to the last couple of couple of uh, uh, classes who where we had some really good, really good players come out of the the last few classes. Uh, But there are some gems in there that that always seem to pop on in in rookie seasons, Uh, you know, kind of. Compared to the last couple of years, what is your excitement level in this class? Oh, it's it's extremely low. I guess after the what 106 and Superflex, yeah, I think you're oh, you're best off yeah. trading out, trading for a 2024 rookie pick or acquiring like a Brandon Ayuk type veteran. Uh, I, I felt this way pre-draft. I, I felt like the bearer of bad news or, or like a depressing podcast guest because I just kept trashing 
especially the running backs uh, and just the wide receivers uh, wasn't as high on them as everyone else. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some good landing spots at least. And yeah, some, some, it, it might not even be the case where it's, you know, a bad class as a whole. It's just kind of hard to tell pre hindsight who the the few studs are. I just see a lot of red flags for a lot of these guys, but you know, everything goes their way. They could, they could be a fantasy different maker for sure. Yeah. You know what? It, it, Cause it's, it's one of those times you, you almost don't know how to uh, quantify what's, you know, in inside, you know, between the temples and, you know, inside their chest to see what, you know, what's going to make them, you know, what's going to make someone become a Justin Jefferson or, well, you, you saw Jamar Chase coming from a mile away. I mean, he was, he's the only guy who had the, I think you said he, he's the only guy who had the perfect, uh, range. the only perfect wide receiver prospect I've ever seen. And look what we've seen. He's my one Oh one, by the way, right now. So I, 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 am catching a little flack for putting him over JJ, but I think, I think what I saw at the end of the seasons has me, has me putting him as uh, number one. Um, I do have a, a couple of fun ones before we get into this. I, I, I need to know, have you broken out those shirts that were delivered during one of the live streams and at the NFL draft? What is it? What is this? One of, one of the shirts that, let me see. Didn't, didn't you get didn't you get some shirts delivered to you uh during, during one of the live streams <laughs> yeah did you say, I, I was moving those those were on my couch yeah my my <laughs> girlfriend went crazy and uh she's sick of my wardrobe i wear the same I'm wearing it right now here my old power hour dfs shirt and yeah so we we now have uh maybe 20 new shirts from h&m and 20 new pants so hopefully yeah hopefully i'll be a little bit more fashionable on the future <laughs> podcast uh, you know, or just when you're out with her, come on, you know, you gotta keep, you gotta keep the rep when you're on pot. When you're well, I, I told her, yeah, like my instinct is to just, you know, sweatpants, you know, fantasy points, t-shirt and that's it. So she also needs to maybe set out the clothes at night or something to get me to wear them. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to go back, uh, uh, two, two quick ones before we jump in, uh, on a stream and i believe it was last year you mentioned an, that that it may have been your very first or one of your first uh fantasy articles was a baseball article about arky von being better than Derek jeter i believe is that is was is that the uh is that it i couldn't find yeah, it so, by the way so, uh, it's on number five i'm not sure if it's still there but uh yeah, so I started as a fantasy baseball writer under JJ Zacharyson at numberfire.com. I think my first ever article was on Masahiro Tanaka's transition to the MLB. Oh. Uh, but I, I wrote an article before that on a WordPress that R.A. Dickey was going to win the Cy Young. And it was like a half joking piece. And then he won the Cy Young. <laughs> and so like I'm like, damn, I, I might have a future in this. But uh, before that, I in college, I was a philosophy, political science, double major. And, uh, my friend had Adderall and I, I did it for the first time ever. And I went to the computer lab and it was like 3am and I was like, all right, I have to write this 20 page paper on Immanuel Kant. Um, and so I sit down and instead of doing anything like that, I see that my friend just started his own baseball blog and you know, big time Yankees homer. So it was why Derek Jeter is like the greatest player of all time. And so like, I just wrote in the replies, he's not even the best shortstop of all time. That's Arky Vaughn. And I wrote probably like 5,000 words from like two in the morning until noon, just like completely neglecting my paper all on this. And this was like, basically like my first ever fantasy article. Like I, I remember thinking like, oh, I wish I could could do this for a living. And then uh, I got the job with JJ and I ended up turning that into a piece, like salvaging it. My friend, I think my friend did that one blog post and never posted again, but that was the, the start of a blossoming career for me. <laughs> Def so was there a main defensive point to it or, or is it just the fact that Arky Vaughn walked a lot? I, I have no idea. I can't <laughs> even remember it. I, uh, Era adjusted. I guess he was the better hitter or something. But yeah, my I, it's all football knowledge. All the baseball knowledge is, uh, has been depleted. Uh, well, you know what? You got the R.A. Dickey one right, so that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, right. Even though he, even though he uh, beat out Clayton Kershaw that year, but they were both studs that year. That was if, if you asked a twelve year old Scott who the greatest shortstop of all time 
was he would probably say Ray Ordonez. That was my oh. favorite player by far. Uh, Couldn't hit, but what a fielder. Exactly. Could catch it. He caught everything. He caught everything. I remember him. That was a great defensive infield. Mm-hmm. That was uh, one Ray of the Reed. best all time. Yeah, Edgardo Ray. Alfonso. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alfonso. Yeah. Uh, Ventura. Ventura yes, first. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, and those guys could all hit too. So that was mm-hmm. awesome. That was, that was fun. All right. Uh, uh, last bit of fun. So uh, also, I remember hearing on a stream, uh, I don't think it was last year. I think it might have been the, the year before. Uh, and you, you were on with, I think it was JM to win. Mm-hmm. And he quoted, he quoted that uh, receptions were th- worth 2.7. Worth 2.7 more times than than a rushing attempt, and you were like, "That's my stat." <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "That's my stat." Can you at least attribute it to me? I was like, were you, "Did you want him to attribute it more, or, uh, or, or yeah. were you just flattered?" <laughs> probably flattered. Yeah. So weighted opportunity. I do say in the the article to just like steal it. Like I don't need credit. Go ahead and steal it. I think it was just kind of flabbergasted that he uh, uh, he knew about it. But uh, yeah, so uh, for running backs and PPR leagues, a target is worth two point five times as much as a carry. Outside of the red zone, it's three times as much. So it just kind of hints at you know we want pass catching running backs. Um, but yeah, that's that's really funny. You you clearly did your research. Props to you. Or you've been uh, you, this 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 uh, interview has been long overdue. <laughs> well, I didn't just do my my research. No, that was just uh, I mean listening to you guys. Uh, you're you're one of the gosh. That's I mean, two bars is always one of my favorites to listen with you guys. And uh, and and I, I was I think at that time I was really really trying to hone my craft on DFS. And you guys, uh, I love I love the dynamic you guys had. So uh, yes, but yes, long overdue, mi amigo, long overdue. Uh, well, let's jump into the receivers real quick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, familia. It, as a tribute to Spinal Tap and also to pay homage to uh, a certain Invitado's uh, favorite team, we're going to 11 on this. So we're going to take the top 11 wide receivers according to Scott's rankings uh, in in the on, on FantasyPoints.com. Make sure, Familia, get get up, get in there, get get your subscription. This is the time. There's going to be so much good stuff coming up. Uh, but let's. So we got we're going to have 11 guys. I think the the, the consensus number one. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, went number 20 overall round one, but Seattle, is there a little bit of concern that, uh, that Metcalf and uh, Lockett might hurt his value at least in the first year? Yeah. So, so let me just say, I love the prospect. I, to me, this is you're, you're traveling back in time and you're drafting Keenan Allen in 2013 Keenan Allen has finished as a fantasy wide receiver one in, I don't know, six straight seasons, maybe nine straight healthy seasons. Just an absolute stud. Uh, the landing spot, really unideal in the short term. If if he went to Green Bay, I, I could have promised you 100 catches this year. Uh, but it's not just that he has to compete for targets alongside Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's also we have a stubborn old school head coach in Pete Carroll who likes to go run heavy and loves his 12 personnel, loves his 12 personnel. Last year, Seattle had three wide receivers on the field. I think only 63% of the time, it was like one of the bottom six Mm -hmm. marks in the league. And a reporter asked Pete Carroll about this in the post-draft press conference. Well, Oh, well you have Shane Waldron who ran 11 personnel at one of the highest rates in the league with the Rams. You just drafted a third wide receiver round one. So should we expect, uh, a rise in 11 personnel? And he was like, no, uh, we love our tight ends. This is more about, when we do have three wide receivers on the field, it's like maximizing those plays, but no, we're, we're still going to mix a lot. And so that just like really cuts out the floor on Smith and Jigba, the the potential for him to be a 60 route share guy that puts him at like wide receiver 75 in terms of routes run per game. It's just like such a brutal short-term landing spot. So Mm -hmm. again, I think this is like drafting Keenan Allen. But I also think he's going to be much cheaper in three months. I think it's going to be a rocky year one. Um, I mean, I'm still trying to trying to draft him everywhere I can. I but I'm also fading him in redraft. 
Yeah, that one, it's it's so hard. Yeah, and on best ball, he I've passed him by a couple of times, multiple times, just because it's like, you know what? Mm, I, I compared him to who who else was out there. In fact, I think he was right around where Lockett is, and it's it's kind of hard to say, you know, what Lockett's been the last several years to – you know, to bypass him at that point. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He was my favorite receiver. I, I honestly, in uh, my many years of watching football, I I've never seen a better performance than what he did in the Rose bowl. Uh, Smith and Jigga did. So um, I, 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 when you see that that's in there, I, I think that I I'm looking for, I'm actually looking forward to when he's got a bigger, bigger chunk of the pie. Um, all right. Speaking of big, we're going to jump into Quentin Johnston going to my backyard with the, with, with the chargers, uh, Los chargers, uh, big guy, great stop start. Great. I mean, he's kind of like that, that, yeah, that guy that gets yak. He's got, uh, they've been, the chargers have been charger faithful and the media have been calling for them to get more of a breakaway, uh, a breakaway threat. It, he's your number two on this one. What is, uh, kind of your outlook more optimistic? Yeah, so he's he's a big wide receiver who plays small, and I mean that in both a good and bad way. He's extremely elusive after the catch. Uh, by career missed tackles force per reception, he leads all power five wide receivers since at least 2014. By yards after the catch per reception, that's a little bit more predictive. He ranks top 15 over the same span, and that, that's just a rare trait. That's a valuable trait. Um some one really cool stat I liked. So his numbers were really good, uh, despite playing through a number of injuries. And then if you looked at what happened to TCU when he wasn't on the field, they were significantly worse. Their passing yards per game average dropped by 42%. Uh, something that matters to me with my model is I penalize slot wide receivers and I also especially penalize wide receivers who see a high percentage of their production come on deep slot targets, you know, where they're lined up against a safety or a linebacker. It's just like way easier to put up numbers on those sorts of routes. Quinn Johnson didn't have that advantage. He was almost exclusively out wide, but when he was in the slot last year, he averaged over six yards per route run. It's one of the top three best marks of any wide receiver since 2015. So, so it's like, okay, if he was in the slot as often as, Jalen Hyatt or Jordan Addison or Josh Downs, like how much more impressive would his production look like? But this is also where I started to, you know, sour on this class. It's like, okay, this guy's my wide receiver two pre-draft. He was my wide receiver three behind Marvin Mims. And I know I was on an Island there, but number of red flags, um, really high percentage of his career targets came as contested targets. Some of that can be on quarterback play, but typically that's indicative of a player who struggles to separate uh, and looking at wide receivers with similar numbers to him. It's all, you know, all time busts like JJ Arcega Whiteside, Denzel Mims, Hakeem Butler, Tylan Wallace, Terrace Marshall. So that's a red flag. And it's also a red flag that, he wasn't even good at turning contested targets into contested catches. Uh, one of the, uh, the worst rate of all top 15 wide receivers in this class. He only had three career red zone touchdowns. Nathaniel Dell, who's like a foot shorter than he is had 26. Uh, and, and so uh, he also had like a third percentile weight adjusted three cone. And so just a number mm. of red flags. And, and yeah, so when I was writing these art, I'm like, this guy's my wide receiver three and like, uh, but yeah, so again, it's just, I, I like him. I, I, I do feel good about him as my wide receiver two in this class, but just compared to the last five draft classes or maybe a veteran you can inquire or a future 2024 round one, uh, not as much, but, but again, uh, do feel good about him as my wide receiver two. Yeah. And you're speaking of like dynasty. Uh, I've got the 108 in a draft and it's like, I, I think I'm going to be staring at, uh, at Johnston or, or I may reach on Levis cause that's a team that, that needs quarterback. Uh, but you know, the, the fact that he's going, I I'm actually, for me, I'm actually a little less worried about his workload or his target share or well, not necessarily target share, but total targets. Uh, because of the fact that uh, compared to uh, JSN, because of the fact that I th I think he's I, the 
the Chargers just have more pass volume, more more mm-hmm. targets to go around. So I think that that's what has me a little more bullish on him for 2023, um, even though he's competing for targets with Allen and and uh, and Williams. So is that yeah? I, so I think that's right, but it's also the Chargers didn't run 11 personnel at a really high rate. They were about league average. So he would probably be the odd man out. And then I got really bad vibes from the post-draft presser with Tom Telesco. Uh, They're like, Oh, do you, do you think he can start for you year one? And they're like, "Ah, I don't know. We're really high on Josh Palmer. We'll see. You got to compete, which I know is like a stock answer, but usually these guys are a little bit more excited talking about a player. They just drafted, you know, 45 minutes earlier, but uh, we'll see. I, Again, wide receiver three, and from a redraft perspective, probably probably rookie wide receiver three, I'd say. I could see that. I could see that. Well, I think the guy who we're uh, – uh, Jordan Addison, I think, is the guy that could be the wide receiver – the rookie wide receiver one just because of the landing spot. Um, I'm not going to need to compete with target for – I'm sorry. They, he's walking into a big target share that Adam Thielen left behind. Uh, if he takes, if he really takes that step forward, and then also never going to see the top cornerback with Justin Jefferson on the other side, are are those big reasons to be somewhat somewhat excited about Addison for twenty twenty three, being for the coming to the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an awesome landing spot. This is I, they they talked about this in the post draft presser. It's like we think having this piece can unlock Justin Jefferson to his true potential, which immediately made me think, oh, maybe Kevin O'Connell is going to use him more like Cooper Cup and, you know, where he was so cornerback immune and he just had, you know, 13 targets every single week and over 100 yards every single week. Uh, With Jefferson, you didn't see him move to the slot as much as we were hoping. But then he was also saying it's not just that, but it's because Jefferson is so elite, he he does draw – added attention and and premier coverage looks, but that's going to leave Jordan Addison in very favorable matchups, which is absolutely the case. Uh, They did talk about wanting to go a little bit more pass heavy this year. Um, And so, yeah, I, I, I think, I think this year, Things look really good, uh, just in terms of like from a dynasty perspective. I will just say this was this was not a player. He was my wide receiver four pre-draft, but like still not a, a player is very high on at all. Is it? I mean, was it the the step back that he took at USC this year a little bit? Mm, um, no, it, it was just like so. So you see the Bolitnikov Trophy, and mm-hmm. like that matters, and like the raw production, and that matters. But it's just like within added context looked far less impressive to me like he beat out jsn in yards per route run but he ran a ton of routes he only ranked eighth that year in yards per route run Uh, his offensive coordinator mark whipple is like a dfs cheat code like if you play college football dfs you just always want mark whipple wide receiver ones and then trey palmer last year was more efficient by yards per route run and he wasn't playing with a round one caliber quarterback he just had mark whipple as his OC, uh, Andy Isabella is another Mark Whipple guy. And part of that is Mark Whipple, wide receivers, Jordan Addison, a lot of manufactured touches, a lot of screens, a lot of rub routes and pick plays designed to get him open, a lot of deep slot production, um, just a bunch of, a bunch of what I deem to be fraudulent production. And so, but again, you know, the Bolitnikov trophy matters. Uh, but, but, uh, I, I didn't see the production profile that a, a lot of other people in this space did. And then beyond all that, there there's serious size concerns. You know, he's 173 pounds. He's not athletic. He ran the exact same 40 yard dash as Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker's 67 pounds heavier. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of red flags, a lot of concerns, but uh, it, it also matters that this is a great landing spot that he's, set up for success in year one that he has a good quarterback. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I, I rookie wide receiver three in a, right. in a, a class that's maybe not as good as the last few, but, uh, there's going to be some, some, uh, uh, fantasy playmakers. All right. Well, uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about is, is somewhat of a playmaker himself too. 
Zay Flowers could have left Boston College, taken a big NIL deal. He could have he could have gone to USC. He probably could have gone out. He could have gone to most any other program. Stuck around, but uh, now it seems like he's getting the reward going to Lamar Jackson, even in kind of like a crowded wide receiver room with OBJ and Rashad Bateman, and of course Mark Andrews on the tight end side. But uh, this guy, this, this guy had, has a lot of hype around him in that landing spot, especially in the Todd Monken offense. Uh, you got a little bit of a smirk. Are you? Uh, what's what's your? Uh, I, I, I have a good feeling what you're going to say. Yeah, I'm going to be less depressing after this. After we get through this name, but this is another player I'm not very high on. Uh, just like his analytics profile to me screamed extremely mid by the that's slang for mediocre, uh, just by the metrics that are important and matter to me, yards per route run, age adjusted yards per route run, yards per team pass attempt, yards after the catch per reception, uh, teammate adjusted yardage market share, uh, very mediocre, in some cases sub-mediocre. And then you add to that uh, size concerns, uh, uh, really short. He has like first percentile uh, arm length, uh, implying a limited catch radius, which isn't good with Lamar Jackson, who's not a very accurate quarterback. He's also a run first quarterback. Uh, maybe Todd Munkin changes things, but I, I don't see it changing too much. And then he has to compete against Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr. I will just say the team is insanely high on him. And it, it's possible, I don't think I'm wrong, uh, but it's possible, you know, he's he's like a film darling and he just slip through the analytics cracks for whatever reason. I, I do think I, I adjusted for that or I corrected for that, or I tried to control for all that, but uh, watching uh, Eric DaCosta, who by the way, doesn't have a great track record with wide receivers. The Ravens have never drafted a pro bowl wide receiver said uh, he, he, he went to each one of his 10 scouts, like various area scouts. And he gave them a list of 10 guys and he asked them to rank the, these 10 guys and every single one of them had, had flowers as, as their number one player. So, Hey, you know, like I, I don't feel great going up against uh, an NFL scouting department with all the money invested there, uh, which is why, you know, I do kind of cave to, to draft capital a little bit. And, you know, I didn't hate him. He was my pre-draft wide receiver six, but uh, as far as being someone I'm excited to draft, I, I'd say no. Yeah, I think it, it is. There is so much competition there, and and they haven't been high volume. I mean, obviously, Todd Munkin may may have may change that a little bit more. Uh, I I do hope that that Lamar get, you know takes another step forward as a passer. I mean, he did throw thirty five touchdowns in his MVP season, so um, so uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna see what the hype train says for this offense and if, if Zay Flowers. Plus, uh, you know, I think uh, it was Bateman had a list, Frank, which I think one of the last guys to come back from from that was Debo Samuel, and he was kind of uneven the year after. It was the second year after the, that he had that all-pro season, so maybe maybe it's uh we'll, we'll see we're going to keep an eye i'm going to that's that's something i'm going to have edwin make sure keeps an eye on for us for us i think all. i think todd munkin's really interesting uh the last time he called plays at the nfl level his quarterbacks who weren't exactly you know starting caliber quarterbacks or high end quarterbacks it's ryan fitzpatrick and Jameis winston they combined for the third most passing yards per game in nfl history and so it's like, if you just take the average passing fantasy points per game of a Todd Munkin starting quarterback, plus Lamar Jackson's typical rushing fantasy points per game, we should expect like 45 <laughs> fantasy points per ga game from Lamar Jackson. So this is something that like keeps me up at night. Uh, you know, may maybe he just, you know, breaks fantasy this year. Um, but uh, I, even if that's the case, I don't know. I struggle to see uh, Zay Flowers breaking out. Yeah, cause I, I'm. I do kind of think about the fact that you know, if Lamar could get to four thousand passing yards and thirty touchdowns to keep doing what he's doing for, on the rushing uh, in the rushing, that could be scary. That could be absolutely frightening. Oh, okay. So next one's not frightening, but one of your guys. One of your guys, you had him number two on your pre-draft and, and you caught, I know you caught some flack, but you know what? I love that you stood, you were like that one, that, that person who stands in the, in the wind on that meme and just kind of like, okay, bring it on, bring it on. Marvin Mims. I'm a fan too. 
So uh, landing spot in Denver, it's a little crowded, but uh, you st- I mean, he's still, he's still your wide receiver five on, on this list. That, that's right. I mean, it technically round two draft capital is great. I, I, I really, this is the last pick of round two, but it's technically round two draft capital. Uh, I said he had the Still second there. best analytics profile in the class. And like, it, you know, maybe he's not the second best wide receiver in the class. Like that's fine. But just, I couldn't in good faith writing the way I write, which is based on an analytics profile, have him anything less than pre-draft wide receiver too. Uh, I talk about in high school, like he has the Texas state record by career receiving yards, the national record for best single season receiving yards. Uh, as a, as a freshman, uh, it was the second best age adjusted yards per route run season since 2014 in 2021. It was the best ever yards per target season. The next year is his second different head coach his third different quarterback, uh, way more productive. You, you saw the raw production that was missing from his profile, really good combine. He was heavier and faster than all of the, uh, or the, uh, the ahead of Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Zay flowers, uh, anything career related, any career stats looks incredible. I really tried to look for, for holes or red flags. I, I really didn't see anything on to the same degree as the other players we were talking. And so the, the landing spot, I was so excited about the landing spot, but I, I might be a little biased. Uh, I saw that uh, Marvin Mims mom followed me on Twitter. So heading into day two, I just DM'd her. I'm like, Hey, good luck. And we just started talking and uh, I was like, yeah, like uh, any, any landing spots you're looking for. I, I heard my giants like uh, really like Marvin Mims. I said, Oh, we heard that too. But you know, it's in, in God's hands, you know, we'll, we'll be happy wherever. And, uh, and we, we just kept chatting all throughout the day. And, uh, I, I gave her my thoughts on the landing spot. And it's like, you know, this is like a great landing spot. It's, this is, uh, this is the first ever pick made by the head coach with the Denver Broncos. He traded up to get him. This is Sean Payton, a brilliant offensive, uh, genius, his wide receiver, uh, his round two wide receivers have always smashed. It's guys like Brandon cooks, like Michael Thomas, uh, and, and yeah, so that matters. Something that the dynasty community overlooks when it comes to landing spots is the understate, the importance of regime certainty or the overstate, the impact of regime uncertainty. Like so many guys like LaVisca Chenault, maybe Denzel Mims, they were handpicked by their coach and they had a clear plan in place for how they were going to use and develop them. The guy's out of the picture the next year, and the new coach comes in, doesn't care about him, doesn't fit the the scheme, and so so that that's that's kind of my bias. I mean, if you want to talk about a crowded wide receiver room, that's that's certainly the case. But by the same token, I mean, how many rumors and reports have we heard about Sean Payton trying to trade Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? So who knows what might happen? Uh, this is my guy, so I'm I'm gonna have I'm gonna have uh, rose colored glasses, and and but. You're, you're so right. I mean, you talk about the, uh, and the advice you gave his mom. I mean, it, it's such a great, it is a great landing spot. I mean, Sean Payton, Sean Payton is calling, is calling the plays. And and right. if he's going to, if he can fix Russell Wilson, there's going to be, some, there's going to be some play for this kid. And, and, you know, and, and, and if Sutton or Judy don't, don't make it, they're going to get, they're going to get traded. Judy doesn't have, uh, Judy doesn't have a long-term contract. So, and I think this is, is uh, I think this is year four. So they, they have to, you know, exercise that fifth year option for him. So uh, the, the one, was- the one knock I heard on Mims constantly from, from the film guys was that he's, he's raw as a prospect. He ran a limited route tree. Uh, and so it, it might take him like a developmental year. And so like my counter to that was just like, okay, he ran a limited route tree. Well, then he was a monster on like four routes. Like watch what he does with, uh, NFL coaching. He had, he had three different wide receiver coaches in three seasons. So like, look at what he can do with some stability, but it's also like, well, in the right landing spot, maybe Denver. Okay. Maybe he doesn't do much this year, but they, they use him doing the one thing he does exceptionally well, which is as a deep threat. And then they develop him over time. And I was seeing, you know, maybe he follows a sort of Tyler Lockett career trajectory. Who was another player was very high on relative to everyone else uh, where it it did take him a few years before he became a complete receiver. But then once he was, he was, you know, one of the most valuable wide receivers in fantasy. 
No, I, 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 I totally agree. I totally agree. I think he's going to be, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm going to grab him wherever I can on, uh, I think I do have him on one. I got him in the second round in one. So, uh, yeah, draft and develop. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Jonathan Mingo, uh, going to the Carolina Panthers, uh, in the second round, I think he was the first wide receiver taken in the second round. Um, he's getting the AJ Brown comps, which I think everybody, uh, a lot of people are kind of tamping down the enthusiasm on that one. But, uh, you had actually an interesting note, um, talking about how he was called in the block a lot in the second half of the season. So, uh, I know you're, I know your model liked him. Now, does that like him even more? So, so my model didn't really like him. It, it, it liked his 97th percentile athleticism. You know, this is a really small, Sports. short, skinny, uh, wide receiver class, but uh, freak athlete, big wide receiver. And so my analytics profile saw some upside for a few different reasons, but I missed one thing. I didn't, I didn't figure this out until after the draft. And had I, figured that out. I would have been higher on him. Um, I'll I'll get to that in a second. I will also say all of my film buddies and I'm friends with some a plus level film analyst, John Costco over at PFF who had Patrick Mahomes as the one Oh one, the year he came out. Um, he told me that Mingo on film is either the second or third best wide receiver in this class. Unbelievable film. And, and I've talked to a few guys who, who feel similarly about that. So the case I'll make for Mingo, the analytics community hates him. They think his analytics profile is really bad. And I think by like most of the stats you want to look at, that, that's mostly true. But I can, con- I can craft a really compelling bull case narrative for him. And, and that matters. This is like what I did with Damian Pierce last year. I said, mm-hmm. okay, um, if I just tweak this one thing and it makes a lot of logical sense for me to tweak this one thing, then he is either the, he is the third best running back in this class. If I don't tweak that, he's the 15th best running back in this class. But because upside matters more than downside mm-hmm. is detrimental, uh, I'm going to have him closer to that RB3 ranking than, than the RB15. And so it's a similar thing here. Uh, Twenty. So the first two years at Ole Miss, he was buried behind Elijah Moore, which according to me and my model is like one of the best wide receivers ever. So I, I can't penalize him too much for that. Uh, 2021, he was averaging over 100 yards per game prior to injury. He, he broke his ankle. He came back. He wasn't that effective. He came back too early. Immediately at the end of the season, he had another surgery to fix that. But I mean, pre-injury, over 100 yards per game. And then in 2022, last year, uh, he was averaging, I think through the first six weeks of the season, he was averaging 3.45 yards per route run. That would have led all power five wide receivers last year. And then Michael Trigg, perfectly coinciding with this production drop-off, the tight end Michael Trigg suffered an injury and he was moved to tight end on a quarter of his snaps. And maybe it was only like, 15 to 20% of his routes, but I I still think that matters to be blocking and the the physical exertion and to be moved around like that. So he's a, he was a literal tight end in line on 25% of his snaps. And we did see this drop off in production, but again, prior to that 3.45 yards per round run, that's an elite mark would have led all wide receivers in this class. And then you have the 97th percentile athleticism. I mean, DK Metcalf didn't have a great analytics profile, but he did have a great athletic profile. And that's another thing that hints at, at upside. So after kind of being somewhat depressing and, and trashing, you know, the other guys that we finally found someone who, uh, in addition to Mims, I'm a lot higher on than anyone else, just because I do see that bull case argument that no one else is making. And he has the draft capital back it. And that's a, a, probably the most predictive variable single variable we have oh love it love it yeah yeah uh, uh yeah so we'll 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 see if they're if the aj brown comparisons come through so we'll we're, we're gonna see on that one so uh love it love it I, I i think there's few people who landed in a better landing spot than rushy rice getting to Kansas city round two, but, you know, we saw that we got, you know, we got overheated for sky Moore before. And I were reminded that Tyreek Hill had a, you know, uneven rookie season, uh, in, in the Andy Reid offense, uh, thoughts on thoughts on Rasheed Rice. 
Uh, yeah. I, so he led the FBS in yards per game last year. He did that despite playing with a broken toe for 75% of his games. Uh, really high level mark by yards per route run. Um, you know, he was a late breakout, but he was playing behind NFL caliber receivers and Danny Gray, Kylan Granson, James Prochet. Uh, that makes me, that makes it seem like I like him. I really didn't like him that much. My model has a strong bias against small school wide receivers. And if I can be honest, so do I, um, really what it comes down to is like, there is that upside argument. Um, Brett Whitefield loved him. That's our, that's our tape guy over at fantasy points, loved his tape, uh, supposedly was going to slip in the draft due to uh, character issues. But I mean, the draft capital was good and the landing spot just couldn't be better. I will say the landing spot is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, but, um, I I'm optimistic. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of given, you know, set in stone competition. There's a lot of theoretical competition. I'm a big Canarius guy. I'm a big Justin Ross guy, but, uh, you know, this draft capital matters and, uh, you know, it doesn't get much better than playing with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I haven't given up on Sky Moore yet, uh, but maybe it's maybe I've been hanging around with Hanson too much uh, yeah, in, in in his timeline a little bit. Um, all right, well, let's go to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Jaden Reed go, going, you know, round two, number 50 overall. Kind of crowded room with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs there, and they added two tight ends uh, also in the, uh, in the draft. But... Um, what, what, what is your feeling on him for this year? Uh, I don't see it as too crowded. Uh, I mean, Romeo dubs, I, I, I don't know. I know he got a, a ton of hype and, you know, maybe he did better than his draft capital implies, but we, we have seen a lot of teams just move on from these low draft capital guys, even if they did have an impressive mm-hmm. rookie season. Uh, Christian Watson, I love, was really high on him relative to everyone else last year. Uh, but he's also still probably a little raw, a little inexperienced. Um, yeah, I, I, so I like the I like the landing spot. And with him, again, even more so than Rasheed Rice, draft capital is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, why? What I liked most about him was, was just that uh, I referenced him in my article this time last year as a reason why I wasn't so high on Sky Moore. Uh, he transferred from Michigan State, but uh, to me, his, his uh, what was it, uh, freshman season at Michigan State was more impressive than uh, Sky Moore's breakout campaign with more target competition, worse quarterback play, and, and just better numbers all around. In 2021, he averaged 2.57. This is with, uh, um, he transferred to Michigan State. Um, in 2021 averaged 2.57 yards per team pass attempt that ranked fifth best among all power five wide receivers from this class. And then 2022, uh, you kind of just have to throw it out due to injury. Um, so I, I, I was kind of lower on him pre-draft, but it, it was like a deep tier. And so for him, it's uh, that, that draft capital uh, and the landing spot makes me feel good about this ranking. If you heard a little something there, that's my dog who's uh, decided to lay down and and take a nap uh, right next to me. So, well, so apparently, yeah, my my Jaden Reed uh, <laughs> bored her. So maybe the, maybe your your dog knows what's best and should him. No, 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 no. It's all in the it's it's all in the in the earphones. No, I'm petting I'm pet I'm petting him, and so he's uh he, he, yeah he he's he's enjoying too much. So uh, well, let's talk about Josh Downs uh, mm-hmm. real quick. So Josh Downs going to Indianapolis, Reggie Wayne, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's to believe Reggie Wayne loved him, uh, you know, going into it, you know, he's, he's going to be competing with Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, and as always a million tight ends. Um, Evan Hull also be catching some passes possibly out of the backfield. Um, but your, your optimism level on him. Yeah. So I, I was kind of trashing him pre-draft, but that was just based on, you know, where everyone else in our industry had him and then draft capital is really bad. And so now like relative to that draft capital, I'm, I'm, I'm higher on him, maybe not higher on him than the rest of our community, but definitely higher on him than, than what his draft capital implied. And I, I didn't expect him to go that high because he's definitely slot only, like at least with Jackson Smith and Jigba, I I'm open to the idea that he could be more than that. 
Uh, like I said, you know, if he was in Green Bay, I think he'd play like 100% of the snaps. In Seattle, yeah, he's he's off the field in 12 personnel. So Downs is the same thing. He's going to be off the field in 12 personnel with Indy. But I, I still just, uh, PPR cheat code upside, I like that. Uh, insanely productive wide receiver. It was another one of these wide receivers where it was like sort of fraudulent production profile. But that that raw production matters to, to a degree. And I, I do like this, this uh, landing spot. Okay, well... Well, maybe not. I mean, I, yeah. I, uh, I don't love the inexperienced rookie quarterback with like a 45% career completion percentage, but uh, he did go to a team that really likes him. You, you brought up the Reggie Wayne thing. The GM was effusive in praise. The head coach was effusive in praise. They have a clear role for him. They want him to start right away. And so uh, I like all that. I think the one thing is like those, those, you know, him being a slot receiver, you know, those young quarterbacks do like those, you know, those short to mid range uh, kind of layup throws that, that the slot eats up. Or, or when that's it's not what Brett's, that's what Brett said to me. And Brett wasn't high on downs to begin with, but he was, he was saying, well, how, how do you fix a guy, a quarterback with uh, who has trouble with accuracy in the short to intermediate level of the field, you get him a really great slot wide receiver like Josh Downs. Uh, well, we're going to see, we're going to see how, how that one works out. Okay. we got two more. We're going to jump on tank Dell who has probably the most, it's kind of the, the typical, you know, calling a big guy tiny. Uh, so it's the, uh, the, the opposite, such a small guy, only five, eight, I think 165 pounds lands in Houston getting to play indoors CJ Stroud supposedly you know you know bang the door for him uh or bang the drum but um I I can't get past the you know little guy such a little guy being being a, a big contributor right your feeling yeah that's kind of what I said it, it's so insane production insane production over the last two seasons leads all wide receivers and receptions and yards ranked second in touchdowns uh you know i had the red zone stat i cited earlier uh the issues were extreme red flag level of height weight athleticism Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean the athleticism was whatever but it's just the really short guy he's also old he's 23.5 years old um just uh, uh, five foot eight, 165 pounds. Since 2000, there's never been an NFL wide receiver shorter or lighter to average even 11 fantasy points per game in a single season. And I, I also struggle with these small school guys where it's not something like, okay, well, he had the best production of the small school guys. So this means, so like his his 200 catches over the last two years is equivalent to, you know, 65 catches per year in the power five. It doesn't really work like that. It's just like your small school and your numbers are elite. It's still like, uh, there's a 30% chance you're ever anything. So, so it was a bunch of red flags that I just can't really quantify like super outlier size, uh, but I do think, you know, the, the production has to mean something. So, and the draft capital was good. Apparently CJ Shroud was pounding the table for him. They, they hit it off at the combine and he was texting Casario to, to take his guy. They definitely, you know, being in Houston, know, uh, know him pretty well. So, um, yeah, the, I, I like downs too. uh, you know, I'm not sure he hits maybe the bust rate is high, but if he does hit, uh, I could see him hitting in a big way just because of that PPR cheat code upside. He'll get taken off the field in 12 personnel, but you, you know, has the potential to be, you know, an eight, nine, 10 catch guy, like a Rondale Moore slash Greg Dorch was last year. Oh man. Dorch who he, he messed up some, uh, some late, late season fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just mean, if you like combine those two guys, they were, you know, amazing for fantasy, but, but again, that, that goes to scheme. Uh, so you're, you're, you're going to want to see heavy 11 personnel. Uh, I, I haven't yet dug in enough into that. Um, Bobby Slowick. Yeah. I don't really know just yet. I'll, I'll have to do more research there. Yeah. That one I, I'm st- Still, I, I like the landing spot in uh, Carolina more, but um, 
I'm I'm still a little I'm still a little uh, curious what the what the coaching staff going to going to Houston what uh, from a fa- offensive standpoint if they're going to be able to grow up CJ Stroud the right way. So, um, okay, so this last one is going to be I know it's going to be a little difficult for you because it's it's your your beloved New York Giants Jalen Hyatt uh, went to them in round three and it's number seventy three overall. I I know you mentioned that your 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 model liked him, but. But you also looked at the scheme and had some question marks about it. So I'm going to let, let you let you explain. Yeah, so I, I thought I didn't like him. He was my pre-draft wide receiver seven. Uh, there are, you know, big name guys who had him as the pre-draft wide receiver one, a, a number of them. He won the Bolitnikoff last year. But to me, again, it was just a lot of fraudulent production. Uh, the interesting thing to me was that, like, looking at this, like what I said last year with Traylon Burks, like the only comparable production profile was LaVisca Chenault. And for, for this player, the only comparable production slash analytics profile was Gabe Davis, who is also another Josh Heupel wide receiver, uh, but is also another, um, uh, why am I forgetting the Giants head coach name? Table. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, also another Brian Dable wide receiver. Um, and so like a question I was asking myself is like, so like maybe what you think of Jalen Hyatt depends on what you think of Gabe Davis. And it's like, I don't know what I think about Gabe Davis. I uh, was lower on him than the rest of the staff last year, but uh, now I'm kind of, I, I can see some upside for him. Uh, definitely a player I struggle with uh, just with him. I, it was like so much production, uh, deep slot production. Like he just lived exclusively in the slot and almost all of that production was coming deep, which what I, I talked about earlier is like, that's, that's super fraudulent. That's super suspect. A uh, ton of uh, his production came in stack formations, uh, a lot of rub routes and pick plays um, without deep slot targets. His yards per target average falls from 14.2 to 11.6 goes from like easily best in the class to like fringe top 10. And so it was just a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, just as far as my, my giants are concerned, uh, I guess that's a value when, you know, so many smart people are saying this was the pre-draft wide receiver one. Uh, I just don't really know how he fits. I know they wanted to add speed and they thought they had that in Paris Campbell. Uh, I don't know that Paris Campbell still has that at this stage of his career. Uh, but to me, I just see a ton of slot wide receivers and I, maybe they value, versatility more than I do, but I just don't really know how it fits because this guy played exclusively in the slot. Uh, Darren Waller is basically a big slot. Sterling Shepard's best in the slot. Paris Campbell's best in the slot. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't really know how he fits, but, uh, I think, uh, I think sort of like I was saying with Marvin Mims is maybe don't expect too much this year, but a nice developmental prospect. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, Last one on this class. Any any sleepers beyond number eleven that you want to keep an eye on? Um, yeah, I'll say uh, Keishan Bouti. Uh, mm-hmm. He's I, I wrote up. He's basically this year's Justin Ross, and like of course I'm probably way too high on him. Uh, fell in the draft supposedly due to uh, character issues. That's like football character and also off the field character issues. Um, uh, athleticism concerns. He had that injury. Um, and you know, maybe he came back a little too soon before he was ready. The, the, what concerns me though, is that when he was 17 years old, he ran a four, three, four, 40 yard dash. And at the combine, he ran four five flat and he refused to retest it at the pro day. So there's some concern that he's just not the same level of player he once was. But I mean, those first two seasons, that analytics profile was incredible. A lot of, you know, age adjusted yards per route run prior to his injury. I think he was the betting favorite for the Blitnikoff. I think he had like five times as many career receiving yards as Jackson Smith and Jigba when he went down with an injury. So um, I just see upside there. And, and that's a, you know, me, I always try and uh, gravitate towards those upside guys because, I mean, w- what else is there? You know, Michael Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Charlie Jones. Like, like, yeah, give me, give me the guy who could be a thing. Uh, if he is a thing. 
No, I'm hoping for Puka being a Ram fan, but uh, I like Puka. I'll say that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. I've heard. I think uh, did you call him Robert Woods? No, that was uh, D Bro. Oh, okay. Sorry, so, bro. oh man. So, two last ones for you. Uh, one, what was you mentioned the, the the early work, especially with JJ? What was some of the best early advice that you got um, when you were when you were starting? Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of have to learn things the hard way. So I think whatever advice I got, I just like ignored it and forgot about it. If, if I could go back in time and, and give myself some advice, um, well, I'll say this, I, my, my biggest issue was that I was like trying way too hard. And, and for some people, you know, they see consistent linear growth, growth, like I'm trying to mentor up some of the writers we have, like Jake Tribby, Ryan Heath, and it's just incredible. Like you know, I'll give feedback. They, the next article is even better. They they internalize it, they improve. Next art, and they just keep blowing me. I was never like that. It was just like stagnant growth where I was just like so bad, so bad, and then just like one day, everything clicked. And I've just been like the same level of good ever since I wrote this one article on Frank Gore, like five years ago. Um, uh, also advice, I, you know, I could have been less of a dick. I kind of had a chip on my soldier shoulder and I uh, would like go at other analysts to kind of prove how good I was. And uh, it just like rubbed people the wrong way and cost me some jobs in the industry. So, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what the best advice was, but like the advice I could go back in time and give myself would be, uh, yeah, don't be a dick. And, uh, and it was like good for me too. Cause like, like, you know, I, I sucked. And then I just one random day I was uh, exponentially better. And like, so like reveling in that obscurity was good for me because if it came too quickly, I, I wouldn't have been ready for it. And I would have made a bunch of enemies. Like people just didn't know who I was. And then they randomly knew who I was. So uh, I don't know, like patience and uh, uh, enjoy the process and, and, and don't be too impatient or overeager, I guess. Oh, awesome. Uh, I, I think that's great life advice, not just uh, for fantasy. So, uh, all right. So closing in out with a fun one, uh, <laughs> me, uh, Mexican food. You're, you're down in Tejas. So, uh, but I, 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 your favorite, your favorites. So, so, uh, Houston has amazing Mexican food. Uh, El Tiempo is incredible. Can't recommend that place enough, but if, if I have to be totally honest, the, the place I, I daydream about the most is Taco Bell. I'm, I'm sorry to break your heart, Jorge, but just like I fantasize about a cheesy gordita crunch at least once per day. Uh, or uh, Crunchwrap Supreme. I know it's trash, but it's just like it's so affordable. It's always there. There's also a nostalgia factor. Like me and my friends would, uh, you know, in high school, we would just like hang out in the Taco Bell parking lot. So it's partly that. It's like it's like my feel good food, uh, even even if it doesn't make my my stomach feel good after. <laughs> well, at two o'clock in the morning after some drinking, it's uh, it does soak up the alcohol. So I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, you know, one of these days, Edwin and I are going to take you out for for some uh, good carne asada or some ta- tacos dorados, and uh, we'll make sure it, it, make sure it gets done right. So tacos uh, dorados, not tacos doritos. Yeah, tacos dorados. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's the authentic, the authentic uh, deep fried tacos. So it's uh, it's good. Damn. stuff. it's good stuff. Those are the ones my mom makes. So you want to make a trip out to get the SoCal? We'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take you over to Mama Martine's house. Oh, the the best, maybe the best food I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, fish tacos in San Diego. Oh, the best ever. Nothing competes. Yeah, it, it really, yeah. It's it messes. It's like flying first class. You're just ruined for fish tacos anywhere else. You just have to have them there. It's phenomenal. Absolutely my, phenomenal. My ex stepmother's ex stepmother lived in San Diego, and we, we would go there like every every couple of years. And the entire time, we would just live at the beach, and I would eat nothing but fish tacos all day. Oh, it's so good. Stuff. That is such good stuff. You got now. I got to now. I got to get down to a Padre game. So uh, it gives me a reason to get some fish tacos. So, oh man, I mean, this was long overdue, but I'm just. I had a blast. I had a blast so much. Um, big things coming for fantasy points this year. Please feel free to plug anything you want. 
Uh, I don't know. Check out, check out your podcast. I'm really glad I did this. Uh, you, you're, uh, the utmost professional. This was an absolute blast and, and I can't wait to be back. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, well, uh, you know, Hey, you know what, if you, if, please listen to, please listen to Scott, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. For Familia FFB right there. So, uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. One more time, quick shout out our, our amigos over at underdog, uh, make sure you use that promo code familia 23, familia 23, if you want to do it in Spanish and, uh, get, we're going to match you up to a hundred dollars. And, uh, lastly, just, uh, closing it out, go to familiaffb.com. Got a little content coming out there. Uh, keep going to, uh, and, and if you want this on audio, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcasts, we're on there too. So, uh, otra vez to Scott, our invitado. I know this was long overdue, but this was un gran placer. This was just beyond awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and everybody, thank you for joining. Hope you enjoyed it. Even, uh, all, all, as much as I did, because I know you will have enjoyed it a lot. And always remember, todos somos familia. Salud.